What's up and welcome to Wrestling Matters. Coming up on Wrestling Matters, we'll discuss the incredible match between Jinder Mahal and Seth Freakin' Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. And the reignited tag team between R-Truth and The Miz. Not only that, but we'll also talk about the warning that Nia Jax issued to the rest of the women's roster, telling them all how she was going to win the Royal Rumble on the 28th. And also a very similar speech made by Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre. Both of these men think that they want, are going to win but we'll just have to let the Royal Rumble work its magic and find out. We'll talk more about these later. So make sure you stay tuned. But before all of that, I just want to ask you, are you following us? Because if you're not, do you listen to our episodes weekly? Do you listen to them consecutively? And if you're not following, make sure you hit that follow button down below because it does help us. So just take a moment, pause the episode and make sure you're followed because it really does help. Before that, let's start off the very first segment of Wrestling Matters with the match between Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell versus Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. This match happened because Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell both wanted another opportunity on the Raw roster. And Chelsea Green and Piper Niven, well, they just wanted a rematch. So Adam Cole just said, why not, and set the match right up for Raw. Piper Niven started out strong, fully handling her opponent without making any mistakes but she went up to the top rope and heaved herself right down but that proved to be her one mistake in the match as her opponent quickly moved out and dodged causing Piper to go face first off the top rope in to the mat. Piper Niven got back up and carried on strong but still weaker than she was before and Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae managed to get the upper hand with a quick pin after a double team sending Piper Niven out of the ring and taking on their other tag team member Chelsea Green which I don't think was actually legal in the match, but they managed to take her out and a one, two, three, and they were out very early on in that match. What a great match that was. Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell are such a good tag team together. They just work. They're so good. They're gonna ultimately, by 2020, the end of 2024, they're going to be champs. 
at least once they'll have one incredible championship reign if they carry on uh, wherever they're going. I think you can see that anywhere. I might put a poll down there below, but let me know in the comments what you think. But later that night in an interview, Shina Blazer made it very clear that if they were on the road to the women's championship, they would be crossing paths, wishing them luck in a very sarcastic way. They left, leaving Candice Michelle and Indy Hartwell to ponder about what would happen next. Speaking of the women's championships, they're not going to get very far as the current women's champions are on the SmackDown roster which we'll actually be talking about later on in the episode as the current women's tag team championships fought Alba Fire and Isla Dawn to see who would become the new women's tag team championships or still the women's tag team championships. We'll have to find out later on in the episode so make sure you stay tuned to hear all about that. Earlier on, I said that we would be talking about R-Truth and his ridiculous relationship with the Judgment Day. Is he, in the, is he in the Judgment Day? Or is he just a bit crazy? It's not just a hilarious relationship he has with the Judgment Day, but it was the hilarious match he had with The Miz as Awesome Truth which was just reignited that night against the Judgment Day. As the match started, Art Truth's pockets spilled out with cash, which he had made from selling his T-shirts in the parking lot earlier that night. Art Truth quickly tried to grab it all and gave it, stuffed it in the pocket and tried to give it to Finn Balor, who didn't seem too concerned about that. The match continued and was looking strong for the awesome truth. And as the R-Truth finally built up his guts to give a hit to the back of the neck of Damien Priest, he turned around and said, like, stop, what are you doing? I thought you were in the team. But it was all a trick. Because, of course, the Judgment Day will not have our truth And Finn Balor came in from behind, nearly rolling him into a pin. But our truth quickly rolled back over and took down Balor. Everyone speaks to our truth like, or about our truth like he's some sort of joke. And in a way, he is a joke because he's stupid and hilarious and makes so many mistakes. But if you look at him in the ring, he's actually good. Like that quick rollover and counter to Finn Balor. I'm not going to lie to you, Finn Balor is incredible. He's one of the top performers in, in the WWE roster right now. And whether we like it or not, he makes the Judgment Day very good. I know nobody really likes the Judgment Day. Nobody really likes Finn Balor because he's in the Judgment Day and his relationship with the Judgment Day. But if you look at him and him and his matches, he's very good. And you have to appreciate that. The way that R-Truth was able to 
take down Finn Balor in one swift counter, leaving him flat on his back. And that's what people just don't understand about our truth Although he's funny, although he makes jokes, he's a very good wrestler on top of all of his promos. But while we're talking about our truth being a joke, he went over straight away to Damien Priest, trying to tell him how sorry he was for taking down his own teammate, which he thought he was teaming with the Judgment Day, but he was technically with the awesome truth. And Damien Priest immediately took him to surprise with a straight choke slam. But unsurprisingly, after that choke slam, which Damien Priest has renamed the South to Heaven as his finisher, Finn Bella crawled over on top of our truth, and it was a swift one, two, three, and the Judgment Day managed to steal a win. But right after, or at least soon after their match, with the awesome truth they had to fight DIY which was also recently reignited not that recently but recently enough to be called a newish tag team and they are looking for tag team gold just as they had in NXT and as I said earlier the Judgment Day are very good apart from Dominic Mysterio who's just he's not very good if you look at him he's just a terrible wrestler he's he's just crap he's like the war games everyone's doing somersaults and all these fancy high-flying moves off the top rope Dominic just did a frog splash he's he's terrible I think he ruins the judgment day like not for us. We already hate them as heels, but they're just terrible because of Dominic. He's useless to the Judgment Day. But somehow they stood strong in their streak, their tag team streak against DIY. But of course, Dirty Dom and JD McDonough had a couple of tricks up their sleeve. And as Johnny Gargano was about to tag Tommaso Ciampa, JD McDonough came in from behind and pulled Ciampa right off the ring apron, slamming what looks like his chin to the apron and taking, taking Ciampa out, leaving a vulnerable and confused Gargano right in the middle of the ring. Johnny Gargano went down to his knees and had a look through the middle rope to see what had actually just happened to his tag team mate. This proved to be a mistake as Dominic Mysterio quickly ran and attempted his dad's famous 619. But Dominic Mysterio, being Dominic Mysterio, could not execute it properly and was immediately countered by Johnny Gargano. And a healed Tommaso Ciampa came back up and gave him a big boot to the back, sending him crawling out of the ring. But of course, JD McDonough came in from behind, trying to roll Ciampa around into 
a pin, but of course Champa's not going to give up that easily in a match against such talented men such as the Judgment Day. He needs to prove himself and giving up just like that would not make his tag team look so good. So he kicked out. But of course JD McDonough had to cheat with a big low blow boot to the you-know-where of Tommaso Ciampa. But he didn't seem to take too much notice of it as he hoisted McDonough right up and delivered a massive DDT to McDonough, sending him right over his head as well, which proves the strength and the power of Ciampa. And the DIY performed their signature finisher, Meet in the middle with a double kick and a knee to the head of JD McDonough from either side. And of course, with a move of this caliber, they're not going to kick out. Even the Judgment Day won't be able to kick out of a move like this, especially after having, uh, I was about to say, a terrifying match with awesome truth but it wasn't too bad as our truth seemed to think that he was teaming with judgment day as well so it was quite an easy match but of course they were still tired and worn out but that should not take away from the credit that DIY deserved for taking down such a high caliber tag team like the judgment day but unfortunately we'll have to move on from that match but not quite from the Judgment Day yet, as we're now going to move on and talk about the message that Rhea Ripley sent to not only one or two, or even just a few wrestlers, but the entire women's roster. About how she was gonna win the Royal Rumble, nobody could stop her. But of course, Becky Lynch, the man, had something to say about this and came out and delivered her own message. I think everybody wants to see that match between Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch. We've never seen these two women fight properly in the WWE, apart from the old time in NXT, but of course they were both rookies then. So, is Becky Lynch better than Ripley? I think he is. She is an incredible wrestler, and I'm partially biased maybe because I'm Irish, but that doesn't change a thing because Becky Lynch is an accomplished and incredible, experienced wrestler. And not many women can say that they're, they've been wrestling for as long as Becky Lynch has. She definitely knows the ropes probably better than anyone else. But is Ripley just that bit better? We'll have to wait till the Royal Rumble to find out. Rhea Ripley, however, was not the only member of the Judgment Day making statements about the Royal Rumble. Damien Priest came out stating how he was disappointed with his failed cash-ins. And even though he didn't verbally say it, we all know he definitely was very disappointed because I'm sure if we were to check how many 
failed cashins Damien Priest has had. There would be a lot of them. And that would just really, really annoy you. You'd be thinking to yourself, will I ever get a chance? And Damien Priest now is setting his goals even higher. They're not just pitting the world champion Seth Rollins, which we've seen a pattern recently over. But he also wants to win that Royal Rumble. See if he can take down Roman Reigns. See if he can take down the Tribal Chief. Or will he be taking down a different champion after the Royal Rumble fatal four-way match between LA Knight, yeah, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns for the World Championship. Not just that, but also the Universal Championship, which means a fatal four-way for the undisputed championship. But Drew McIntyre was not happy with Damien Priest's claims. Drew McIntyre's like, hey, I've been there. You're failing to cash in, I'm failing to win. People are cheating against me. I deserve to win more than you. You've got money in the bank. I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. I certainly think Drew McIntyre could win him. I think he could definitely win it. He's such a talented wrestler, just like Becky Lynch, I was saying. He's an incredible wrestler. From the very beginning, he's won titles. The Intercontinental title, I was pretty sure, within a few months of just joining the WWE. He's so incredible. And I hope he can use all of his talent in the Royal Rumble. That's enough about promos and speeches. Let's move on to some real matches. So let's talk about Akira Tazara's match against Ivar. Now, as I'm sure a lot of you who have been following my podcast or even listening to things like The Bump, Raw Talk, the Smackdown Lowdown, all these things, you'll know how much work Ivar has been putting in to making a name for himself in the singles division. Now, Akira Tazara, obviously being a lot smaller and a lot weaker than Ivar did not stand a chance. As he lay beaten right in the middle of the squared circle, Ivar ran up to the top rope which as a man of his size you would not expect. But if you've watched Ivar in any of his matches, you'll see how agile he is. He's doing somersaults of the top rope, all these incredible manoeuvres that you'd be expected to be done by superstars like Rey Mysterio, High Flyer, Sin Cara, all these types of guys, definitely not Ivar. But he pulls it off and he's brilliant at it. So... There he was on the top rope, about to absolutely destroy Akira Tazara, but he got distracted. And it's very unlike Ivar because usually he is focused, focused like an animal on its prey. But today he seemed a bit off and he got distracted, nearly coming down to the bottom rope. But, of course, Akira Tazara took advantage 
of that and managed to pull off a quick and swift win. But of course Valhalla would not take it and instantly attacked Akira and the rest of the Alpha Academy. But of course I Ivar I was way too powerful. So Ivar and Valhalla both took both of these contestants right on to the ring and as I said earlier how impressive Ivar is on the top rope we just proved it to uh, Monday night I was about to say tonight but of course it wasn't tonight it was last Monday by performing a huge somersault leaping off that top rope right onto Akira Tezara. And let me tell you, that looked painful. That looked horrifically painful. So, let's move on. But before we do, Ivy Nile said backstage that she would take care of Valhalla and she had a quick chat with Adam Pearce and just like that, the match has been made official. I look forward to covering that next week on Wrestling Matters in the Raw section of our podcast. But now, after that brutal attack from Ivar, Chad Gable, the leader of the Alpha Academy, will be going up against Ivar next week on Raw. Another match that I am looking forward to covering next week on Wrestling Matters. But right now, we have got some very exciting news just for you. Because on Monday Night Raw, if you haven't already seen, I'm sure it's all over the WWE.com, their website, I'm sure it's all over that, we saw the ring general, Gunter, return. He is the current Intercontinental Champion and last year at the Royal Rumble he broke the record for the longest time ever in a Royal Rumble. So, Gunter, Intercontinental Championship. I think nearly 100% sure that he is the longest reigning Intercontinental Championship ever. Definitely up there if he's not... And he's broken the record for the longest time in a Royal Rumble match. He may not be our favourite, but we have to respect him and what he does in the ring. That's why they call him the Ring General. Gunter went straight out and sent Ludwig to fight Woods on Raw. But the match disappointingly ended in a disqualification after Xavier Woods threw one of the commentators' chair at Ludwig Kaiser. Ludwig Kaiser attacked Xavier Woods backstage only for the fight to be broken up by Jay Uso. What will happen? We've seen those two men have their brawls in the past, but Jay Uso just saved Xavier Woods. 
Will we see a possible third member to the New Day? I'm sure Jay Uso would like that after the recent, not that recent, but still recent enough breakup of the Usos. But now it's time for the main event of Monday Night Raw. The highly sought after match between the modern day Messiah Jinder Mahal and Seth freaking Rollins. I think Jinder Mahal actually thought that he had a chance at winning the title that night, but of course he was quite rusty as he hadn't been wrestling for a while. However, he did do very well. We saw him gain some incredible moves there, but Rollins just would not give up. We even saw Damien Priest try to cash in, but he was immediately taken down by Drew McIntyre, who did not want the same thing to happen that happened to him that happened to Jinder Mahal, even though nobody likes him. It's just not very nice to have a match end with a Money in the Bank winner, just like Damien Priest. We even saw Jinder Mahal try to cheat and then ended up successfully cheating by hitting Rollins right smack down on the head with the Mr. Money, or should I say Senior Money in the Bank. But still, Seth freaking Rollins would not give up because he was one of the most resilient champions we have ever seen. And all it took was one quick counter by Seth Rollins, which was in fact one of his most classic moves. The stomp to end Jinder Mahal for the one, the two and three. Overall, it was a good return by Jinder Mahal, just not good enough as it turns out. But now, it's time for Smackdown. Let's do things a bit differently, and rather than starting at the beginning of Smackdown, let's start off at one of the best points in the night. The contract signing between Roman Reigns AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and LA Knight. Yeah! However, Roman Reigns did not show up. It was only Paul Heyman who came out and said that Roman Reigns will not be signing the contract tonight to the disappointment of the WWE Universe. However, there would be a saviour. And his name is Nick Aldis. He is definitely new to the WWE, but he's instantly one of my favourite general managers the WWE has ever had. He's incredible. First, the fatal four-way. Now, as I'm about to tell you, his reply. Nick Aldis said to Paul Heyman that it's completely fine because... If Roman Reigns didn't sign the contract, then there would just be a triple threat match for the vacant championship title. Which means that Aldis was going to take away the title from Roman Reigns. Either way, whether he was going to fight for it 
or sit in his living room and cry over the match without him. The match is going to happen between these three men for the title because they deserved it. Paul Heyman tried to plead his case, saying that Roman Reigns should be defending his WWE Undisputed Universal Championship against one man in a one-on-one match, not a fatal four-way. And Ellie Knight went on to say that, in fact, Paul Heyman was right. It should be a one-on-one match with him. He should be having a rematch with Roman Reigns. But he wasn't. And he said that all of a sudden these two men, Randy Orton and AJ Styles, walk in straight to the front of the queue after a few months of, he said he sh- it shouldn't be allowed. It should be his rematch. But of course AJ Styles would not have it. As he then said that, And he was absolutely right when he said that. LA Knight walked over his dead body to get his championship match. LA Knight went on to respond that he did, in fact, walk over Styles' dead body and he would do it again for the title. AJ Styles was left speechless. But... If in doubt, just attack the guy. And that's exactly what AJ Styles did. He went on right to beat up LA Knight while Randy Orton just spectated. He went on to talk to Paul Heyman about how he would beat Reigns and how he was going to RKO Roman Reigns one way or another, whether it be tonight, whether it be at the Royal Rumble, but he would get that RKO. And the Viper was certainly right when he said that because Roman Reigns came out, he signed the contract, and he certainly got RKO'd. This all-out brawl led to several matches later on in the night with Randy Orton fighting Solo Sikoa and AJ Styles fighting L.A. Knight. Yeah! And as I said earlier, we saw the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships on the line against the former champions. The Kabuki Warriors. As well as this, we'll be seeing KO take on Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble next week on Sunday morning at 1am for us here at the UK. In about four, the United States Championship. So that's what's coming up on Wrestling Matters, so make sure once again you stay tuned to hear all of that and so much more. Let's start off a SmackDown result with the six-man tag team match between the LWO and Angel Humberto along with 
Santos Escobar, who still is looking for his revenge against Carlito and LWO. The LWO did well, but unfortunately not well enough as we did see a lot of agility, incredible, powerful moves that are usually only executed by highly experienced wrestlers. But Santos Escobar managed to pin not just any member of the LWO, but he pinned Carlito. How annoying must that be for Carlito with their long-going rivalry now since, I think it was just after Crown Jewel, which that was in November. So a few months ago, they have started, they started the rivalry and he just got pinned by possibly his biggest rival he's seen since his return. How embarrassing. We saw in a backstage interview with Carlito and the rest of the LWO, where he spoke about his match that he had finally gotten against Santos Escobar and how happy he was to be able to take down the traitor of the LWO. So they say the traitor because it's not quite clear what happened at crown jaw did he leave the brass knuckles in the ring on purpose or not well, it definitely looked like he did and carlito is convinced and he cannot wait till he can get his hands on santos escobar moving on to the match we saw between pretty deadly and tyler Bate, the newly reignited tag team just like the awesome truth, an incredible team. Tyler Bate is, he's not a tall man. And as the commentators said, very well on SmackDown. He's very strong for a little lad. Doing that aeroplane spin just to prove his strength and power he has in the WWE. Taking out not one, but two members of the two pretty deadly taking out their entire tag team basically with one move we saw him tyler deliver a brutal punch right to the chin of pretty deadly and that was nearly the end for them and pete dunn made legal got the fingers never give pete dunn never even show him your fingers or he'll break them just like that which i'm sure is the sound his fingers made as soon as he cracked them but he hoisted pretty deadly up and he hoisted them down and for a pin of one two three pretty pretty deadly is like the r-truth the tag team so so stupid so hilarious and unappreciated for their wrestling. I remember a bit while ago when Pretty Deadly, one of the members, members broke that arm and he was in a wheelchair for some reason, which just proves how stupid they are. And when, someone, when the um, interviewer asked, why are you in a wheelchair? 
they were severely offended. So yeah, you can see how stupid they were. As I said, the are truth of tag teams, but we all need them to cheer us up in the WWE, don't we? Anyway, while we are on the topic of tag team matches, let's talk about an even more important tag team match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships between Katana Chance and Caden and Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. Alba and Isla started the match strong. It looked like they were definitely about to win the titles, bouncing back and forth, taking down Katana and Caden over and over again, but they just would not hold down for a pin. And as I said earlier, it's one mistake that can end a match. And exactly this, it was one mistake as all it took was a rebound destroyer to Alba Fire that took her out after a quick double team. We saw on the, around the edges of the ring, we saw Isla Dawn being taken out as well as that. And there was a clear one, two, three for the tag team champs to retain their title. And after the match, the Kabuki Warriors definitely sent a massive message to Katana Chance and Kaden when they didn't allow them to take back their tag team championship titles and said, this is what we're going to be next week, which is now led to a WWE Women's Tag Team match next week on Friday Night Smackdown. But next week on Friday Night Smackdown, we will see the Street Profits fight the New Testament in an incredible face-to-face match. So I'm sure you know, and if you didn't, you do. Now, the Authors of Pain recently returned to SmackDown to form an alliance with Scarlett and her tag team mates called the New Testament. This will definitely be an incredible face-to-face match that I cannot wait to cover here on Wrestling Matters. And just before we talk about the main event of Friday Night Smackdown, we still have one more match left, and that was L.A. Knight, yeah, versus A.J. Styles, the phenomenal one who would win. Well, it turned out to be L.A. Knight in a very, very disappointing victory of as of course the bloodline interfered to make a statement of their own solo Sikoa came and delivered his signature spike right to the throat of LA Knight this of course was seen as helping AJ Styles and caused a disqualification to AJ led to LA Knight winning the match 
Nobody likes to see a match end via disqualification. It's just not nice. It's not entertaining. It's annoying. We don't get to see the proper fight between the two men. So I hope we get a rematch soon. And yeah. Because now it's time for the main event of the number one blue brand. Friday night. Smackdown. Randy Orton for Solo Sikoa in an incredible, highly sought after match. So Randy could prove that he was worthy to be fighting Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Of course, Randy instantly won the fans' hearts over as they all cheered for him, loving him and hating on Solo Sikoa as we all do because why not? Why would we love him? What has he ever done? Don't even have the things that he's done are bad things that are making big matches end in disqualifications, ruining Drew McIntyre's, ti Drew McIntyre's title shot at Clash the Castle. Why would we like him after all these things that he's done? So, the fans, Randy Orton won over the fans, which is an instant gain on Randy's side. Randy looked to perform his RKO, but of course, Jimmy Uso came out to change things. But then, LA Knight, yeah, came out and beat up Jimmy so to save Randy Orton from his match because even LA Knight who they're not particularly friends they don't particularly like each other he doesn't want to see another match end in disqualification especially the main event so thanks to LA Knight it wasn't going to AJ Styles also came out and attacked Jimmy Uso who was fleeing from the battle Seen with LA Knight, AJ Styles managed to throw Uso's head right into the SmackDown set, clearly doing a lot of damage to Jimmy Uso. Orton managed to get his RKO, which of course even Solo Sikoa can't kick out of. So of course, sent a massive message to Roman Reigns saying, I can beat your henchman. I can beat you. I definitely think Orton has a chance at winning this. I don't think Knight has a chance. He had his chance, he blew it. Nobody really likes him anymore. It's up to Orton and Styles to win this match. And I really hope one of them do. Of course, Roman Reigns came out finally signed the contract for the fatal four-way match at the Royal Rumble, threw it at Nick Aldis and went to deliver his signature Superman punch to Randy Orton to send his own message. But Randy Orton, of course, being the viper that he is, immediately countered with his RKO. He sent not only a message to Roman Reigns by taking out Solo Sikoa, but also 
by taking out Roman Reigns himself. And that is the main event of SmackDown over. But not quite the end of wrestling matters as I'm about to tell you about a new feature that I'm introducing to the Wrestling Matters official podcast. Every week at the end of each episode we will be answering any questions that you guys have. If you want shout outs, put down your name and your question down below. I'll, t- I'll say the username, your question and I'll do my best every week to answer it thank you so much for listening make sure you follow our whatsapp channel you'll hit the follow button to our wrestling matters and come back for more because wrestling matters i'm morgan thompson and this is wrestling matters